Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off-the-shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to the CIO of not one, not two, but three airports in the UK. Nicholas Woods, the CIO of Manchester Airports Group, MAG, is our guest to tell us all about how he rolls as a leader and the aspects of leading within this space. So let's not delay. Let's get Nicholas into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Nicholas. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Hi, I'm Nick Woods. I am the CIO for Manchester Airport Group. We own Manchester, Stansted and East Midlands Airports. Brilliant. That's quite a, that's quite a little group you got there. I didn't realise it was all under the one company. Uh, I think you call it the MAG Group. That's right, yep. Brilliant. Yep. And we also own a... Um, or we have a US business which is um, doing more and more in the way of lounges and um, car park operations in the US as well. So tell us a little bit about your journey of, of becoming uh, a CIO, uh, your journey to this point. What has it been like? A roller coaster or a, or a lovely ride? <laughs> it's definitely been a roller coaster, I think. So um, yeah, I've been in the industry for a little over 20 years now and um, started on a six-week contract to develop some Microsoft Access databases for British Gas back in the day when they were trying to be a telco. Um, and, and kind of left there six years later as a project manager, having done some business analysis work, some development work, but really um, looking at how we took technology to really go and drive and solve business problems. And, and that's where I, I really got my passion and my my enjoyment, I guess, for, for being in the technology technology sphere. Yeah. Um, from there, I went to 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 British. Uh, sorry, to to, to Talk Talk as they bought uh, as they bought one tell the British Gas Communications off off the Centrica Group. Yeah. I moved over there and managed the integration for a while, um, and then eventually left there and, and sold my soul to the dark side into um, into consulting and joined Accenture. Cool. Um, which everyone told me I, I would hate. Um, uh, and and was going to be a real challenge moving from from industry and into the consulting landscape, but, but absolutely loved it. Learned a huge amount. Um, went out of telecoms into financial services for five years, and then um, joined Mag um, and effectively became um, the well. I'm actually on my fourth role at Mag now. Um, originally joined as a program director for the new terminal build that we've got in Manchester. We've just spent a billion pounds on the new, oh, yes. new terminal, which is, is currently sitting empty thanks to COVID. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, came up with the IT strategy, moved into the CTO role for 12 months, and then got the task of going delivering that strategy as CIO, really? um, which I've now done for the last three years um, and stepped up to the executive team about 12 months ago. Um, so now I report directly to the CIO. Excellent. I mean, that's, that is a good journey. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is an interesting journey. And I'm kind of interested in the transition points because I always find transition, uh, you know, moving from one 
you know, being more kind of hands-on maybe and then moving into leadership because they are very different areas. I mean, what's the kind of uh, reflections and the contrast there and, and the challenges you had moving through that space? Um, it's, definitely be, it's definitely been interesting, I think. And, you know, along the way, I've had some fantastic leaders and some fantastic mentors that have have helped me to, to take those steps and to pivot. Um, but I've also been someone that's been ambitious that's taken accountability and that that is actively sought to go and make the next step and, and to ask for the bigger project and ask for the next thing to go and do and you know uh, for me i i quite enjoy throwing myself into something and, and right. roll my sleeves up and learning and figuring out how it goes along and yeah yeah you're a base jumper by the way uh kind of i've got a picture of base jumping you know Career base jumping. <laughs> base jumping, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a little bit of a fear of heights, so I don't probably avoid that one. And this is actually this is an interesting point from uh, from people trying to develop the aspiring tech leaders. And um, what I'm hearing is is that you kind of you sort out what you wanted to do as opposed to being handed what you had to do. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you know I've been a firm believer in. A, taking accountability for something, you know, if you see that there's a problem or you see there's something that's not working or there's something where you can go and help, you know, I've always gone and, and, and highlighted it and offered up that, you know, I can, I think I can get involved and I think I can sort it out. Not, not to the extent of going and taking over somebody else's domain, but when you see that next project coming up or when you see something that's not quite working, you know, not be afraid to surface it and not be afraid to then actually say, actually, I'm going to take ownership of that and I'm going to take it forward. So I think that's always helped me and is absolutely something I look for in the people that, that mm. work with me and work for me in, um, in, in roles that I've done. I was going to ask a really obvious question here. What's the problem that you're trying to solve in the market? Now, obviously, it's about aeroplanes and airports and, and, and passengers. Um, so what, what, is the, what focus does the MAG group have in, t- in that domain? What is the problem that they're trying to solve and make them stand out from other airports? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> An airport's an interesting place. It is, um, it is very much like a, a city in its own right. You've got a little bit of everything. You know, you've got, um, you know, a large departure lounge, which is effectively a, a shopping mall. You've got security with passenger screening and, um, you know, complex, um, complex regulatory security protocols that are. You know, fundamentally making sure that people and planes can go in the air and fly safely without all those, you know, nasty things that could potentially happen on them or have, have happened on them in the past. You've got large baggage halls with, you know, extensive bits of um, conveyor belts and machinery that's very similar to manufacturing. And from a technologist like myself, that's a great place to be because I get to be involved in a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, but with that, what problem are we trying to solve? There's lots of them, I guess. And um, the past 12 months has been interesting. You know, we, literally, we went from doing 62 million passengers in, um, in in FY20 to in FY21. You know, we'll be lucky to do 10% of that as, as, as COVID has effectively shut the world down and shut down air travel. And so our problem today is, is, is pretty different, we'll, but I'll, I'll come back to that. I think generally it's about... You know, how do we get passengers onto planes safely in a fast and secure way so that they are, are getting a pleasant experience through our airports? Um, how do we make sure that actually they are 
are having a great product to see in the in our in our airside departure lounges around food and beverage and retail and that kind of thing. And yeah. and ultimately that we service our main customers who are the airlines. You know, they need to land planes down efficiently, get them back off again in, in a timely fashion. And you're dealing with a a customer like Ryanair that's got very tight turnaround times and they're really efficient in terms of how they operate. You know, wow. it's really important that we can operate efficiently to be able yeah. to to get people to where they need to be to to get the planes off the ground. Yes, I can imagine that. That's interesting. You mentioned that that particular airline uh, that they have this kind of tight turnaround that sets the game, sets the bar for you. You know, you've got to deliver that. Uh, and and from your role perspective, with the, from the technology side of stuff uh, and, ma- and making sure that works. How do you kind of ensure that uh, systems have redundancy, maybe, uh, or if they fail over, there's there's a kind of re- a recovery plan? Is that quite a challenging thing to uh, strategize on and, and put into place? It it is, and I think it is becoming increasingly challenging. I guess so. You know, it, airports are quite in, interesting places, and I think that they're, they're playing catch up to some other industries. And having spent five years in financial services. You know, airports are a lot more tangible. You know, when right. something goes wrong, I only have to look out the window and I can see the queues building up or I can, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take very long for us to have a problem in checking that manifests itself with a headline on the BBC or oh, particularly right. the Manchester Evening News or the Stansted Gazette or whatever it is. Um, and um, so there's a huge tangible kind of nature to it that means that it's very real and present in our minds around... Um, the need for redundancy, the need for resilience, the need for for, for, for keeping things up and, and delivering that delivering that service. Mm. The the flip to that is that a lot of the systems that we've got have been traditionally very engineering led. You know, baggage systems were standalone baggage systems; they were conveyor belts and pumps and motors. But now mm. they're increasingly connected to the flight schedules, what's going on in the ground, to dynamically reassigning what what airlines are going from what stands and what gates and therefore where we need to get the bags to and so everything's becoming more and more connected in that airport environment so how do we build you know design for failure think up front around where it might fail what the impact of that failure is how do we mitigate that how do we plan for that um is is more and more important and without doubt a challenge Mm, yeah and that's and, and i guess with the new one was it one billion pound uh terminal that you've worked on mm-hmm. um i guess there's been lots of lessons of uh dry, pulling it learning into that into that implementation and and uh, making it potentially smoother yeah absolutely and you know there's a, a famous airport in germany that that they, that they didn't get it right and i think it took you know, over a decade for them to actually go and get that back open because wow, because it didn't, it failed its it, 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 it's ORAT testing before it actually went live. So there was a huge amount of work that went into actually making sure that we designed that terminal in the right way and we built in the appropriate level of redundancy and resilience that we needed as we went through. Yeah. The challenge to that is, you know, it's uh, it's effectively an extension to our existing terminal too um, at Manchester and. You know, alongside that, I've got a single network that I'm also upgrading in parallel, sharing data centers and a hybrid cloud environment with the rest of it. It's, it's not a greenfield campus. It's very brownfield. Um, you know, Manchester itself has been, the buildings have, have, have been getting slowly iterated and evolved since the 60s. And before that, it wow. was it was an Air Force base, you know, in, in, in the Second World War. Yeah. So there's little bits and bobs that everything's been built on that you're actually building all the new shiny stuff on top of and around stuff that's been there for a long time. It's 
it's complicated. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I just got this image of uh, if you kind of went into uh, Manchester Airport, you kind of, as you, you go through certain corridors, you, you get further and further into the kind of onion layer of years, you know, and at the end, you'll find out oh, there's some hut <laughs> in the middle of it all. <laughs> it's fascinating. I did, um, you know, we're in the middle of a, of a large infrastructure transformation across the three airports. So, you know, moving to hybrid cloud, complete networks refreshed across them, new comms platforms, all the, all the rest of the good stuff you would expect in, a, in an IT infrastructure program. And, you know, when you go around the bowels of Manchester, there's a bit where you get to the old BT comms room. It's literally, it's serving half of the, half of the, um, half of the, the villages and the towns that are around the outside of the airport. It's literally an exchange in the centre of it. And it's got the old test bed in there where literally the old operator plugging the wires into the different things with an old headset in there. It's, it's brilliant. I'll try and I'll try and dig out a picture and send Oh, absolutely. Is. I love stuff like that because they are echoes. I mean, you know, it's always good to look at stuff like that and just realise how far we've come, you know, kind of thing. And, I think uh, that's been there since the 60s, that particular room. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, awesome. It's turning into a museum, you know. Um, coming back to yourself then, Nick. Um, what's what's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? What really rocks your boat? And you think, jump out of bed, go, yep, I've got this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, as I said before, really, I love technology solving business problems. That that's what that's what that, you know. That's my sweet spot, you know. And um, I guess I'm, you know, my. My, my background in terms of my degree and my education, I did computer science and management science. And um, I think I, I sit there as a translator, really, between the business and what the business are trying to do, and then taking that back and thinking, well, actually, how do we how do we use technology? But but increasingly, you know, people, process, tech, data, um, to really go and solve those business problems. Um, and no two days are the same, you know. The, yeah. the largest state is three airports plus a US operation plus a property business, and um, it's it's always changing. Yeah, um, a lot of parallels given to airports to to Formula One and a and a race in Formula One. You know, turning an aircraft is a little bit similar to doing a pit stop. It just takes a bit longer and the parts are a bit bigger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, everything's on plan until until the first plane comes and takes off or. Yeah. Land comes out of the sky and lands slightly minutes late. You're constantly planning, constantly thinking, and, and um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting place to be. Yeah, awesome. And now coming on to your leadership, you know, obviously you've got a passion around solving technology problems for the business. And how do you kind of lead in that space? What kind of leader would you describe yourself to be? And what's worked for you? And, and interesting, actually, from a from a CTO confessions perspective, what hasn't worked for you? <laughs> Okay, um, so what's worked for me? I, I think first and foremost, I'm a collaborator. You know, I'm not somebody that wants to work in a silo, wants to do a whole load of analysis myself and then come up and go and solve the problem. And ta-da, this is what we're going to do for you. A, I don't think it works, but B, it's not how I get my energy. I, I get my energy from from working with a team, from working with a, a bunch of other like-minded people that that want to solve a problem and that we can vibe off each other, we can come up with some hypotheses around what we think is going to work and not going to work, and we can test them and go and implement them. And so, you know, I am I am ultimately someone that likes a good likes to build a good strong team around me. Brilliant. To give them the space to to think, to create, to come up with ideas. But ultimately, as a leader, you still have to be the person that that 
it's going to take accountability and it's going to make the decision. I think, you know, working with technologists for a long time, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's opinion is right. And sitting on our, um, our te technical design groups and things like that, you know, <laughs> at yeah. times they can be a very interesting place. And at some point someone's going to say, like, we've debated enough, we're going to do this one. Yeah. That's um, right. And not being afraid to make that decision, but also accepting that it's not going to be right every time and if it's not right then we'll pivot we, you know we'll take that and we'll figure out what we do next and we'll we'll learn from it and move on and yeah so yes. I think that, that's kind of my style that's that's good I, it's almost like you know people think that IT technology is is about kind of very straight lines and this is the way it works and that's the thing you do in these steps but it's actually an art you know it's like going into an, into a, um, an art museum and, and say I like this because that and somebody else will say well no I don't like that because of this and and everybody has their opinion as you say and it's finding and so as a leader I guess there's a an element of uh, selling you know selling internally to to people you know what you think is the right thing to do is that is that a skill that you've always had or is that something you've had to kind of develop I think it's something that I've had to develop I mean I reflect back right to the start of the conversation right to the start of my career sorry and you know having the confidence to sit in that big meeting with a bunch of senior people and put your hand up and come up with something, um, you know, is, is a scary place to be, but, but actually the more you do it, the more you, the more you are prepared to put yourself out there, um, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get at it. Yeah. And uh, I think that's an important kind of skill to learn. Definitely. That's a subject that I find fascinating as well is, you know, a lot of people think, you know, why can't they just do this? Uh, there's a lot of compliance, a lot of standards that you have to keep, especially with airports. I can imagine uh, you need to be some type of uh, professor in, uh, I don't know, airport, airport, uh, you know, um, do's and don'ts. Um, I mean, is that quite a challenging thing to kind of keep up with? Uh, because I imagine it's changing all the time. There's updates and uh, stuff, or is it quite stable? Have they figured it out? No, I think it, 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 it's definitely evolving all the time. And I think... You know, if you think back to some of the big trigger events that have driven changes, airports um, and aviation generally has, you know, a strong record of regulating to protect the physical environment. So, you know, you think back to, you know, the Lockerbie bombing and, and that drove changes in terms of, you know, the, the need to validate that the person turning up is, is the person that they say they are, so they have a physical ID check on the, on the identity. Yeah. Um, 9 11 drove different changes into the security processes overnight. How we do um, the shoe bombing, you know, so there's, the, the, the industry is well practiced at certain triggers driving regulation and what that means from a physical security perspective. And I think what's starting to happen now is, you know, the cyber and the resilience angle to that, and you're seeing this with the the um, with the NIST regulations that have that have come in in the UK over the last couple of years, um, starting to blend that actually advancements in cyber and in technology are increasingly being brought into the bounds of the the civil aviation authorities' realm of interest and and, and, and rigor. Um, so that we're seeing the physical and cyber worlds blending together more and more. So there's lots of stuff that's changing. And, um, you know, Brexit is the latest example where quite a lot of the regulation for for, for airports has come out of, you know, the Euro control environments and, and out, of, out of the EU. Now, how, it's interesting to watch 
whether we will stay harmonised with Europe as we go forwards um, with, with some of the regulatory changes that are, that are coming coming along the lines, really. But yeah, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of plenty of time spent on thinking about that stuff and, and trying yeah. to stay harmonised. Yes, that's right. Um, and in terms of the triggers. Uh, one of the things I find interesting about tech leaders and, and leaders just in general, it's not just about the risks that we know and the triggers that we've learned from, but it's also uh, potentially kind of modeling what could happen, you know, uh, uh, potential risks and the cost of that. Is it, uh, I, I imagine that happens at all kinds of levels within the airport as well. I'm kind of interested and curious around how that's kind of managed. Is it is this kind of regular meetings that you have where you simulate uh, potential risks or storyboard them through? I think so. I mean, we, we do, you know, war gaming and things like that um, to, to make sure that we have got a um, have got a, a, a playbook effectively for, yes. when, what, yeah. for what, what, when things go wrong and, and what might happen. And we spend a lot of time thinking about that. Um, and then something like COVID comes around and, you know, none of us are really prepared for that. No. Yeah. No. It was quite... It was quite interesting for us because the person that we got to lead and coordinate the crisis was my service director. Wow. So, um, you know, she, she went on and started run, running the incident management. We ran it very much like a major incident in the IT wow. um, environment because we were probably best placed to have the tools, the processes, the techniques in place to set that up and run it. And we've yeah. iterated that then across the rest, of the, the rest of the business. When it comes to your teams, what's the things you do um, to kind of turn them into high performing teams you know you know real powerhouses of creativity and innovation um i think first and foremost i think it's how you build and how you pick your teams right and there's a a meme going around on linkedin at the moment around not hiring for skills hiring for attitude i think that's true right you can absolutely train people to um, to develop their skills and to give them the experience that helps them take things. You can't necessarily train people in terms of having the attitude, having the want to take ownership, want to drive themselves forwards. And, um, you know, when I'm interviewing or when I'm looking to recruit and looking to bring people in, I, you know, there's a time and a place for a competency-based interview, mm. but I like to have a conversation with people. I like to understand what they've been through. I like to understand when they've faced challenges and how they've responded to it and do it in a very you know, very bi-directional kind of way around, let's talk about some of my experiences but some of your experiences and how have you seen these things and responded to them. I think you learn a lot about people through that process. I think providing people with the um, the headspace to to be able to think and to be able to innovate and to be able to do stuff I think is important. But I also think that um, being really clear around expectations, being really clear about the strategy, the vision, where we're looking to go, um, is, is, is very important. So here's, a, here's an interesting question for you, Nick. What keeps you up at night? It's a, it is a, what, what, what keeps me up at night? It's quite a lot. I mean, obviously at the moment, um, uh, it's it, it, the focus is around, you know, keeping keeping the workforce motivated and engaged and, 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 and um, ready to go for when recovery happens. And, and, and that's that's a challenge in itself. But, you know, outside of, outside of, you know where we are right now. <laughs> it's about it's about that uptime, it's about that resilience. Like I say, when something goes wrong in an airport, you know about it very very quickly. And, right. Um, making sure that, particularly with the level of transformation we've got going on across IT at the moment, you know, I am in the process of 
replacing all my data centers, all my networks, all my infrastructure, while I've just been sourced integration, while I'm also replacing a number of the critical airport systems. That's a lot of moving parts. Absolutely. Um, and making sure that we have designed them, architected them, so that they work together properly and harmoniously. So that, you know, if you've just put everything into a new integration platform and that integration platform goes down, it's not, it's not just yeah. one part of the airport that's gone, it's the whole of the airport that's gone. Yeah. So that kind of thing does keep me up at night. Yeah, uh, kind of operation, anything can go wrong anytime and you got to get it going again. Um, and I guess this is coming back to that point of having a very strong team around you, knowing that they've kind of got your back, you know? I think uh, I think it, it is that, you know, it is. I'm very fortunate, you know, in all my roles, um, I've had a great, great team behind me. Um, and and that's absolutely the case today. You know, I've got, got we, you know, we had an incident over Christmas. I think... Um, Boxing Day, it, it kicked off, but you know, I had guys that even weren't on call. That you know, I'll be in the airport in a minute, and you know, two o'clock in the morning, they were they were there because they knew the systems and they're passionate about it. I've got a really interesting mix of of some people that have been here since you know entire careers, 20, 20 plus years, thirty plus years in some cases, um, and some new ones that we've we've brought in recently over the last over the last three years, and how you blend that and it, it, it's. People are really proud about their airports, you know. People, they, their friends, their family, their colleagues, all go and travel through the airport, and um, it, 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 it creates it, it, it creates memories for people, you know. And, mm. and actually, that people, because of that, people are proud. They a for their own memories, but also because they want to be recognised and known that actually things go through. And yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it I'm is not, a team. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I, I'm I'm a big team person myself, and. It's usually my make or break. If I don't create a good team around me, it usually uh, comes back to bite me uh, and, and many other leaders um, in, uh, in bad ways. Um, growing pains. Obviously, you've kind of mentioned the, the company growing. I want to segue back to something I didn't quite cover earlier on around the importance of HR uh, creating the workforce and the teams that you need. I mean, is that something that you focus on a lot? How do, how do you get that right? Um I think again, it's it's been an it's been an interesting journey. Um, you know, IT historically has been seen as a utility service provider, and um, you know, quite outsourced. Few people around that are effectively keeping the lights on. Very traditional in terms of our recruitment processes and how we brought them through, and that was aligned to the rest of the business and. And the tech world has moved on, and you know we are we're flexing with that um, and learning as we go with it as well. But I think we've got some really great examples. You know, my cyber team and um, Pete, who's who's our CISO, um, have developed a great relationship with the universities. They've got um, a fantastic apprenticeship program where we're bringing people in, but we've got creative development around how do you bring someone in on the ground as, a, as an apprenticeship, take them through, give them that experience that then allows them to move on to bigger roles and grow. And it's a competitive industry in, in Manchester in particular, where our head office is, you know, GCHQ are moving up here. Oh, wow. Uh, Ofcom have now just announced that they're opening a 150 person office. Microsoft have got offices here. You know, the competition for tech talent, the hook group of, are upstairs <laughs> from me. And, yeah. um, you know, creating that environment, that culture, that um, ability to to grow and move in almost a pipeline of 
we can bring people in at a particular level, but we can show them a way through. And what we've done in, in the cyber team in particular has been absolutely fantastic. But we're now looking at how we replicate that out across the rest of the department. But we're also working with our colleagues in HR around, well, actually, do we need to think differently around the employee proposition? You know, hybrid working plays into that, giving people the tech and the ability to do things. How do you do that whole whole career, whole life learning programs to support them? All these things come together to make it a, a good and a, a, an interesting place to work. Mm. It's hard for the next few few yeah. months to attract talent to, to aviation because... Yes. You know, it's, it's very, very well known around the challenges that the industry's had. And we've unfortunately had to lose a lot of good people along the way. Mm. But as we come back and build back better and stronger, yeah. you know, having that employee proposition, having the great place to work, having the ability to go and play in all this cool tech is is, uh, is, is absolutely things that we're going to have to use to attract us. But actually thinking about how we support our, our, our colleagues and our people through that journey in terms of their own development. Yeah. Um, it's fundamental to that. A lot, a lot of investment is going into that at the moment. Brilliant. That's really good to hear. Again, I love companies that take people from, uh, you know, the you know coming out of university or coming out of school and then developing them into the, the people that you want in the organisation. You know, uh, I think that's great. Um, in, in fact, uh, this might be interesting to you. I, I was talking to a CTO at Down Under, actually, in Australia. Australia. And uh, he, he was talking about autistic people. They actually have a programme where they help people into this uh, tech space. I mean, autistic people are very good, good in these spaces, but they don't tend to be very good at interviews and getting you know, all the other kind of social things. So what they do is they have a, have a program to kind of build people up to there, the point where they are actually really important parts of the team, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, fascinating. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence around particularly certain roles around, you know, testing and things like that, like proper diligence and attention yes. style and wanting to test and try and repeat things and, you know, we, we absolutely have to be open yeah. to to all people and what, what, what they can bring to the team. And I think I'm a big believer in, you know, diversity of thought. I'm a big yeah. believer in, um, you know, in, 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 I've said it before, you know, I'm not someone that wants to take everything that my team does and then be the one that goes and presents up. I want to give people space to showcase what they can do. And I think I am recognised as much by showing that I've built and developed and, and, and given space to a great team as I am for, for what we deliver as, 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 and that I can talk about myself. Yeah, brilliant. Where do you see yourself from about five to ten years from now? Honestly, I think um, you know, this is my first CIO role. It's the first time I've stepped up onto the, onto the executive team at the top level of the organisation and, um, and I'm loving it and learning a huge amount and I think for me, going back to what my passion is, it is about you know increasingly the blend between technology and the business is is, is blaring. You know, people talk about shadow IT um, and, and and the challenges that, that that brings, and it does bring some challenges around governance and the rest of it. But actually, it's not a trend that's going to go go away. It's not something that's going to go back in the box. It's how do you embrace that? And I think. Yeah, the big challenge for technology leaders, the big shift for technology leaders is, you know, we're not going to be technology leaders. We aren't technology leaders. We need to be business leaders. We need to be close to the business. We need to understand what makes them tick. And that's really how I how I see, you know, my career continuing to develop. And I think that's why I'm in a fortunate place now that with the sponsorship of the of the executive team and, and, and my boss, the, the, my, my CEO, Charlie, um, 
you know, getting that exposure to to broader business thinking, to what makes the business tick, to how the operation works, to um, it is really going to going to going to put me in good stead for for what, whatever I end up doing next. Um, you know, my next step. Give me some business problems to solve. So here you go, Nick. Here's an interesting question for you. Are you ready for this? Yep. As a tech genie, I'm a genie, and I'm going to offer you a wish for either your leadership, your the business that you're in, or your people. What would you wish, sir? That's a, 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 a tricky question. I think, you know, I'm absolutely someone that's excited by tech, and I think there is so much coming down the line in terms of, you know, truly emerging technology that, that actually is starting to become pretty close and pretty tangible to, to where we are, and... You know, I'm really interested and excited by, you know, the advancement of augmented reality. Um, yeah. I think that is going to bring some really powerful capabilities to to what we do. And I think for me, um, you know, I would love, love to be at a point now where we could really do AR, you know, without having to wear the HoloLens or without having to wear the, the Google Glass. That actually, I could just properly get a real view of... Um, you know, Terminator style, you know. <laughs> I yeah, love see, it. I can see, you know, um, overlay computer-enhanced information onto what I'm doing in real time. And I think, for me, there's some really exciting things that are starting to happen in the industry around how do we connect up, you know, what is going on in real time in the airports, the digital twin, but the digital twin connected to AR, yeah. connected to um, artificial intelligence and machine learning around around how do we get much better at, at driving the airport operation and you know there's a huge amount of work going on from um from a, from a global perspective really around how does the network get better connected together how does what the airline is doing connect to what the airport is doing connect to what the um air traffic control is doing connect to what the likes of euro control as the as the people that control the wider airspace across regions you know being able to share information in real time being able to really get a properly joined up view of what's going on so that actually you know how can our technology and systems support driving that that passenger and that customer experience in a better way you know there's loads of stuff that's starting to be experimented around that stuff that, that i think it's an exciting place and time to be and i can't wait to see how it all that's develops. brilliant I, I love this idea of uh, using the data and all this information because it's all there you know it's just this is going to be used. What did you use earlier on? It was this kind of a data-rich insight. Pure. Yeah, that's a really important one. Because um, from my own experience as well, you know, we have that data, but just not using it. Or we don't even know where to start. There's just so much of it. We're like, what do I do with this, you know? Um, so that's really good. And also the digital twin, uh, John, who you know, is, uh, is a huge advocate of this. Is something that IC Labs are kind of focusing on at the moment. It's being able to create that simulation of environment. So you can, can almost... You know, like when you're writing a program, uh, compile it, see what happens. Does it work? Not quite right. Let's change something. And then being able to uh, have enough information, insights, then to be able to put it into practice, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, we have, a, we have a concept that we're working on here called Connect, connect Operations. And, and it, it really is about joining up every stage of that, um, you know, the passenger journey, the aircraft journey, the vehicle journeys across the site. And, and then... How do you feed that all into a proper, you know, environment that's driven by AI that can actually really say, 
okay, we know there's a problem on the road network at the moment. You need to go and send your people to break now. And actually, this is what it's going to do to security halls. Or we reconfigure what's happening here. And this flight potentially going to be late as a result of it. Yes. Being able to give those real-time decisions I like um, and insight to actually make 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 the experience and the life better for, for, for everyone, people, passengers, customers, um, you know. The workers even, you know. Um, yeah. It's their breaks. You know, I can imagine that. That's brilliant. So, Finally, as we come towards the end of our arc together, Nick, what's uh, what's the kind of key takeaway that you would give to tech leader women and men out there? Um, what's your kind of gift to them? Your your wisdom? I think for me, that a don't be afraid to stand up. You know, technology is changing the world. We all know that. I think as IT people, often we can. We can be inward looking and we can be introverted and we can be afraid of, of putting our hands up and, and, and for, for, for fear of being shot down or fear of not being right. And, you know, don't be afraid to take that step. You know, we have a huge amount to offer to transform our businesses and to transform things. And A, if you're going to stay quiet, you, you, you know, you're not going to be able to go and do that. So A, don't be afraid to go and stand up and, and, and offer the solution and show what we can do and lead from the front. But secondly, Take accountability for that stuff. So once actually you've spotted something where you can go and make a difference, where you can change, own it, take it, drive it forwards, and and and, and show what the art of the possible is. They're mighty mantras. I love that, Nick. That's a really nice uh, point to finish on, and uh, I, I totally agree with you. You know, stand up and and say what you need to say. You know, and then you know we can all learn from that. So thank you, Nick, for your time. It's been a really uh, big pleasure having you on. And uh, it's been nice to see under the cover of airports and how they work from a technology perspective. Thank you very much for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Nick. Well, this is what I love about IT Lab CTO Confessions. I, we, get to listen to some great leaders in industries that we only appreciate at a very shallow level. The conversation with Nick was a great peek into an industry we all use. And it was wonderful hearing Nick's own leadership learning and how he likes to roll as a leader. So what were your key takeaways from the podcast? These were mine. Number one, the airport industry is working hard to be prepared for the recovery that will come when the smog of the COVID-19 drama finally subsides. My second key takeaway is the challenges of dealing with lots of customer types from travellers to shoppers. It's a lot of use cases within an airport and the importance and hard work that goes into ensuring the safety of passengers with all these different attack vectors from cyber to physical and making sure that the airport aligns to the regulations that have been put in place to keep us all safe. Thirdly and finally, the potential for further digitising the operations of an airport. I love Nick's idea about looking through a VR headset to see the health and operation of the airport, seeing the direction where things are going well or not so well, and seeing the metrics surrounding that. I would love to see this come together. So thank you, Nick, for your time. Being a leader to the power of three, i.e. a CIO of three airports, I can only imagine that demand on your time is pretty immense. So we here at IT Labs are really grateful for your time and your sharing. I look forward to hearing more about Manchester Airport's group, innovations and its successful recovery from the COVID-19 mire. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. 
we are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.